Hi there, and welcome to the Engage Employee Podcast. There is an irrefutable body of evidence which proves that organisations with engaged employees have more engaged customers and as a result gain long-term competitive advantage. The cultural and commercial benefits of organisations taking a holistic view of their employee and customer engagement strategies are proven. For over a decade, we've helped some of the world's biggest brands engage with their workforce through our industry-leading conferences and online digital media. To find out more, visit engageemployee.com. In this episode, we sit down with Kath Possumine, EMEA Talent Acquisition Director at Amazon. Kath has worked in recruitment and talent management for over 20 years. During this time, her leadership roles have encompassed both in-house positions and working as an outsourced partner. Kath is passionate about diversity, equity and inclusion and about driving closer ties between industry and the education sector in order to help young people into rewarding careers. We speak to Kath about what it's like to work at Amazon and more about recent projects and future plans. A um, bit about me to start with, who the hell am I? Um, I did a degree in sports science uh, at Loughborough, then a master's, hung around for a bit longer, didn't know what to do. Had a friend who worked in recruitment and said, you're gobby, you'd be good at recruitment. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, that was basically what a 25-year-odd career was based on. You're gobby, you'd be good at recruitment. I don't know whether to thank her or punch her. Um, so I've worked in recruitment all my career, um, gradually kind of larger and larger roles in recruitment and talent management, and I've worked across uh, in-house uh, situations and also outsourced uh, scenarios as well, actually mainly in, a, in an outsourced scenario. So I've had the opportunity to gradually lead larger and larger teams over that time in some really interesting and diverse contexts. Um, and what I'm going to talk to you today is about two of those contexts specifically, um, and what I've learnt about leading change, um, in the hope that there'll be one or two nuggets you'll take away that'll be useful to you in your own change leadership journeys. Oh, sorry. Um, the other bits, I've got two teenage sons who keep me extraordinarily grounded. No corporate bullshit works on them. Um, I'm a passionate cricketer, that's my cricket team, um, and I once fell in, off a gondola into the lagoon in Venice. Um, but all of that is um, another story for another day. Um, so, I talked about two contexts I was going to talk about today. The first of these is Army Recruitment. Um, I took over as Chief Exec of Army Recruiting in 2018. Um, and this is a, for those who don't know, it's a tw it's a t it was a 10-year contract between Capita and the British Army to deliver all recruiting for the Army. Regulars, reserves, soldiers, officers. Um, and it was very publicly failing very badly on pretty much every possible uh, measure. Um, and when I was asked to take over as chief exec, I think I, I was going to be the sixth in five years and all my predecessors had been fired. So it wasn't a hugely attractive prospect of a job. However, however, um, I'd been there a year already as the chief operating officer and I really believed that I knew what it needed. And I also really passionately believed in what the partnership was trying to achieve. Um, and in the Three years from 2018 to 2021, we managed to turn that contract and that partnership around. And that role involved leading a team of about 1,400 soldiers and civilians. There were about 500 soldiers at any one time and about 900 civilians. Um, and it was a fascinating leadership challenge. You know, the, the way soldiers expect to be led and communicated and engaged to versus civilians is, is very different. So trying to unify 1,400 people who were pretty disillusioned, fed up, were being told by everybody, politicians, press, 
their own bosses, that they were useless, um, was, was, was pretty tough. But that was the challenge. Um, and over three years, we got headlines for the right reasons in the end. And that Daily Telegraph headline was the front page of the Daily Telegraph, February the 11th, 2020. It was a very sweet day. Um, and it's a long, long story in terms of why and how we managed to turn that around, to the point where the National Audit Office uh, cited that contract as uh, exemplary private public sector partnering. And that was probably my... Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. I'll take that. That's a win already. I can leave now. Um, so, yeah, it's a long, long story, but I'm, so I'm just going to touch on a few aspects of that um, today. But if anyone wants to know about it, you know, ask, ask me later. And then um, I left Army and Capita last August and joined Amazon um, to run talent acquisition. And talent acquisition in, in Amazon land basically means kind of shift leader upwards. So it's not frontline warehouse and staffing and drivers, it's, it's mid to senior level management. Um, and I joined to lead TA across Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Australia. Um, and I was the f I'm the fifth boss for my team in three years, not because of any quite, quite such depressing reasons as the last role with, with people being fired, but just maternity leaves and, and, and short-term rotations and things. So my team had been quite, through quite a lot of churn at the same time as they were having to grow exponentially to support, you know, I think I'm sure everyone in the room knows about Amazon's growth over the last two years through the pandemic. So the team had really, really been through the ringer when I arrived. And in my first all-hands session with them uh, last October, I asked them to put in a one word about what it feels like to work in talent acquisition today. Um, and this was the word cloud that got generated. Um, and there's some good stuff in here, definitely. Um, but for me as the leader, there was also some really worrying stuff, you know, Stressful, understaffed, overwhelming, overworked, you know, confused, etc., etc. It goes on. Um, so there's quite clearly a need for some real change. Although the team was being successful in terms of output, the culture, the structures, the, the ways of working clearly, clearly weren't working. And so I then asked them what they would like it to feel like in 2023. And again, this is this is the word cloud that was generated. Obviously much more positive. And I love word clouds. Never underestimate the power of a word cloud. I come back to this all the time with my team as a reminder of this is where we're going. Um, and I particularly use it with my leadership community. It's about 60, 60 of my management leadership community. Because I keep saying, to, if we don't do this, no one else is going to. Right? We, we are the culture. We have to collectively deliver this for our teams. So that's, those are my two contexts, my two change journeys. One kind of done. One, a work in progress. Um, very, very different contexts. You know, one is very UK-focused, military-civilian. One, very, very international. In a very, and, a, and a different in terms of one's succeeding, one's failing. But there are some really common principles around the way, I believe anyway, that you lead through change that apply absolutely equally in both those contexts. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about. So, the first is vision and purpose. It is so important that a team knows where they're going and why they're going there. Um, it such, has such a powerful unifying force, you know, and it can really ensure that people keep going, even in the face of really quite difficult circumstances. Um, the first on the top left is, uh, is the army. Um, and very deliberately, we blurred the blue capita and the green army in this, in this logo, because people used to talk about the blues and the greens. And it was very definitely a divide. And we used to joke, actually, the blue and the green together made a nasty purple gas, <laughs> which, was, which was not what any of us wanted. So this is very deliberately blurred to show that Capita and the Army together made recruiting group, as we were known. 
But we, the purpose statement underpinning that logo, recruiting tomorrow's army today, was something that we did, we created with the teams. We did some working, working groups, focus groups. We got everyone's views, opinions. Why do you keep getting out of bed every day and coming into this really, really tough, tough job where you're getting criticised at all angles? What is it that keeps you doing it? And the thing that it boiled down to was everyone felt really, in, really heavily the responsibility of the fact that we were responsible for recruiting the army of tomorrow. What we did today would ensure safety of the nation or otherwise in years and years to come. Um, so that was how we landed on that purpose statement. And it really, really resonated with the team. And we kept coming back to it. Um, with Amazon, this cartoon was built during the course of that first all-hands meeting I held with the team last October. Um, with the help of a kind of cartoonist, they're great if you haven't used them before, who was in the background doodling away as we were talking, and at the end of this four-hour meeting, unveiled this. And everyone went, oh! Um, it was really, really good. So we first talked about vision. And that vision at the top, it's very Amazonian. Um, turns out that actually is the Amazon global talent acquisition vision. And it's a really, really good vision. A vision should be aspirational. You know, you may never achieve it because it's so aspirational. You know. Make Amazon the premier destination of Earth's most talented people. But when I asked the four or 500 people on the phone, on the call, who knows what the Amazon vision is, TA vision is, four people said yes. So that goes to show, you know, that vision had not been well communicated, well embedded, um, and the team didn't really understand it or resonate with it. But anyway, it was a really good vision. It was fit for purpose. We weren't going to reinvent that. What we needed to do was work out within Europe, Middle East, Africa, Australia, our team, what was our purpose within that? What made us unique? What made this team different to everyone else? And what made us get out of bed in the morning? Um, and again, workshopping, focus groups, feedback. You know, it's really hard to wordsmith one sentence that summarizes a purpose. But this is what we landed on, was connecting diverse people with exceptional opportunity. And the team felt really strongly about each of those words that went in there. Particularly, you know, we cover 28 countries. We, we placed 25,000 people across 28 countries last year. So in terms of being uniquely positioned as the door openers for you know, the world's largest, probably largest, most fast-growing company, offering incredible opportunity. We were the team that had that function that, and that purpose. So the team really resonated with that. Um, and I'll sh show you a, sh a video in a second, just to show how we've then worked with that. It's not, it's not a question of creating a purpose statement and going, great, purpose done, tick, put it on a slide deck, away we go. Um, you have to keep working with it and keep explaining what it means and keep connecting people with that purpose in order to really, really embed it and bring it to life every single day. Um, and then we also talked about the how and the what, which is probably you know, for another day and, and not today in the interests of time. But this is our purpose video. I've cut it, it's, it's slightly longer, but I've cut it to give you a, a, a flavour. Hello, my name is Biju Mohan. Uh, thank you to Talent Acquisition. Uh, I secured my role with Amazon in 2020 as an SNOP planner and now moved to become a capacity and topology planner. I could have, couldn't have done without your support. Thank you. Um, I'm in a really uh, touchy place to me. I started my career in here thanks to your support as a L4 shift manager and I'm coming back to run this as a senior ops uh, manager. So thanks to you uh, and thanks to all your efforts. Hi, I'm Cecilia Victoria. Thanks to the talent acquisition team, I managed to secure a role with Amazon 
in October of 2020 as an inbound manager and now I'm currently in the PAD side. This wouldn't have been possible without the team. Thank you so much to the operations of the talent acquisition team. Yes. <laughs> You get the idea, it goes on a bit. But the point was to really, really hammer home to our team, look at all the different ethnicities, genders, nationalities, languages, accents, who you have helped access incredible career opportunity. So it's really important to try, and that's just an example of how you can really bring a purpose statement to life. Second thing, communicate, 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 and communicate again. Um, it doesn't matter if people hear things five or six times versus the risk that they may not hear it at all. And actually, if they hear it five or six times, it's more and more likely to stick. Um, and leadership visibility in communication when you're going through change is so important. Um, one of the things I've done, both in my army job and with Amazon, is I record a monthly vlog. And it's literally, I hold the camera up, I have a rule that I do it in one take, because I want it to be natural. I'll write myself five or six headings of things I want to talk about, and then I'll just talk to, the, to my phone. Um, it's supposed to be unscripted, it's supposed to be authentic, it's supposed to be natural, so that the team can really see me talking as me, understand that I'm approachable and normal, hopefully, um, and authentic. Um, and it goes down really, really well, and it just takes me like literally five minutes once a month, and it's so important um, and so powerful. And then in terms of visibility, physical presence, we're in the army role, the, the general on the other side of the partnership, um, who was brilliant, um, he and I took real deliberate steps to make sure we, would, we were seen together at every opportunity presenting to our teams. And that was partly because we wanted people to hear from their leaders firsthand, because every, you know, Chinese whispers always apply, you know, many, whenever you cascade anything. Really good if you can talk firsthand as much as possible. Um, but also, the, the other real benefit of this is, is the team seeing our really, really close alignment, trust, the fact we clearly liked one another and got on with one another and absolutely believed in what we were doing together, which really helped that knitting together of the partnership of civilian and military all the way around the partnership. And then when we think about communication, it's not just about what you say, obviously. You, visuals can be really important and impactful in that. One of the things I've done since I arrived at, at Amazon is to embark on a big restructure of the team to try and address the overworked, stressed, etc. Um, and we called it Project Chrysalis. And it was really, oh yeah, yeah, it's cheesy, because I used to joke that we're going to be a beautiful butterfly at the end of it. Um, but we used that imagery on all of the chrysalis communications and we talk, kept talking about we're going to be a beautiful butterfly. And it was a bit of a gift in terms of comms, just having a really simple brand for a project that talks to people about where we're going and, and why in a nice simple image. Now, I don't want to teach any of you to suck eggs. I'm sure you all know about the change curve and you've seen this or a version of it in the past. But it really, you know, it endures for a reason. It's a really useful tool when you're leading anyone through change. Understanding that as you go through change, groups of people, individuals, will be at different stages on this curve at different times. Some people will go through it very fast, some people will take a long time. And if you understand that and you use this as a tool when you're talking to your teams and your individuals, you can then start to tailor what you're saying, the tone of what you're saying as well, um, to really play to wherever they happen to be on the, on the curve. You know, and a good example of that with the chrysalis uh, restructure transformation with Amazon was once we could recognise that the team were just coming out of the bottom and getting towards the experiment stage here, i.e. they were starting to go, okay, maybe. 
Um, we got our North American Amazon team who uh, had already gone through this restructure a couple of years ago and were working in a, in a, in a similar new structure. We got some of the, the recruiters from that team, not the leaders, but the recruiters themselves, to come and do some storytelling with the team about what they'd learned, what they'd experienced, what they'd been worried about, what they could have done better, what they wish they'd known. Um, and that really, really helped to engage the team going forward. So when you're in that change curve, if you understand that, you can think really carefully, not just about sending communications out to people and, or asking them for their feedback, but also just thinking about different ways in terms of getting a message across that can be de delivered by other means and by, and by other people. Um, and then celebrate every success. It's, it has such a unifying power if you have a really clear destination you are going towards and that you literally celebrate every single small milestone along the way um, during a change process. So these were this was the go live for Project Chrysalis a few weeks ago. Um, and obviously, having called it Chrysalis, there was all sorts of fun opportunities <laughs> for butterfly imagery um, around our European offices. And we really encouraged all the teams to, to join in. We had cupcakes ordered to all the offices. You know, the team in uh, Milan came up with a butterfly origami themselves. Great idea. Um, but we had a lot of fun with it. But it just that the unifying power of really celebrating a success is important. Uh, and in the army role, you know, we had to go from we'd hit we'd been at 60% of the army's recruiting target in 1819, which was pretty catastrophic. And we were being challenged with the improbable, and actually most of the team thought it was impossible, task of getting to 100% the following year. And that was 9,404 soldiers into the army in that year. Um, and we literally, every single member of the team could tell you at any point throughout the year exactly where we were on that path to 9,404. We had totalizers on big screens all over the place. We talked about it all the time, and we celebrated every incremental step getting towards it. And uh, the general and I used to joke that we were going to get... Because there was a moment when we thought we're not sure we can really achieve actually exactly 9,404. So we used to joke that we would get a tattoo if, um, if we achieved it. So we ended up with, uh, with fake tattoos. Um, and unfortunately, no party photos, because we achieved the goal on 8 March the 31st, 2020, which meant we had a whole different set of problems we then had to, uh, to pivot to deal with, and uh, parties had to be postponed, unfortunately. Okay. So in the interest of time, knowing I haven't got a, a huge amount of time, I wanted to leave some time for questions today. Um, I wasn't going to talk in great depth about any of these, but these would be my other takeaways in terms of leading through change and, and things to think about. Um, the first one is... Vulnerability is one of the most powerful things you can do as a leader. Really embracing it and not being afraid to show your teams when you don't know the answer, or you're worried, or you're unsure, and asking for their support, their help, their thoughts and their input. It's really, really powerful. Do not underestimate it. Sometimes, you know, I think people still live with the archaic view from five to even ten years ago. You know, if you were a leader, you had to be all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise, and that just, you know so wrong, so flawed. Um, secondly, empower your teams. You know, I could talk uh, probably for an hour on empowerment. I feel very, very strongly about it. Um, if you can genuinely empower your teams and have them embrace that, you make life so easy for yourself. So easy. Um, I've got the empowerment tree up there, which is a tool that we use with our, uh, our leaders to try and help them work with their teams to understand which decisions can be devolved if they're unsure. It's a really useful little uh, conversation gambit to, to a management tool to help leaders. Um, with empowerment, the critical thing is you devolve responsibility for making decisions to your team, but you do not devolve the accountability. So 
If they get it wrong, it's on you. Yeah. And, and if you even once slip up and don't take the accountability when things go wrong, you know, forget it. You've eroded all the trust and you'll never have the teams feeling brave enough to make their own decisions and to, to push forward themselves in the future. So empowerment's really important. Then role, role modelling and committing. There's you as the leader, but you also need all of your leadership team and the layer below to really engage, believe, and, and role model and commit to what you're trying to do in any, in any change. If you don't get that, one or two naysayers immediately, big, big trouble. So it's important to make time to work out individually with all of your leadership team. Is everyone really on board and how can I make sure that they're really on board and how do I address any doubts, concerns that they, that they may have? And don't stop at implementation with change. It sounds obvious, but it's really, you know, you understand what great looks like. Have the baseline metrics so you know when you're being successful after you've implemented a change. So we've just done this big restructure, chrysalis. Um, we've got a whole set of baseline metrics, and we're measuring very carefully all of those metrics on a week-by-week -week basis as we go forward. A, because I want to make, hopefully, things are going to look better. Um, but I also want to be able to course correct very quickly. You know, if, if things have gone wrong, if we've missed bits, if things have gone, we can tweak very quickly if you understand those metrics and you're watching them really, really carefully as you go forward. And then, again, <laughs> communicate, communicate, communicate. Uh, you know, and I talked earlier about communication out. But obviously, you know, as this Dilbert cartoon says much more articulately than, than I ever could, it's really, really important to do communication the other way too and to listen to your people the whole way through. And that way you can ensure that the change you're leading um, is change that is done together and you do it with your teams uh, and not to your teams. And I'm going to stop there, having left about six or seven minutes, I think. So any questions? Yeah, sure. So, you know, so it's, it's, I suppose the purpose is twofold. One, it's, it's to communicate stuff to ensure the team can hear from me firsthand. Because if there are very important messages I want to make sure everyone hears, I don't quite trust the verbal cascade approach um, because of the Chinese whispers effect. It always gets tweaked slightly as it goes through two or three layers. Um, I hate relying on email because Amazon, I'm, I'm sure in common with many companies, has a horrific email culture. There are thousands too many. So I don't believe people are always going to read it. And I don't want them to have to read yet another email. Um, so the purpose of it is to be able to communicate important messages firsthand from me to, to all of the team. Um, I generally keep it, it's probably 80, 80, 90% work stuff in terms of what's going on. But also, I like them to know what I'm doing. Instead of saying, you know, th this is the stuff that I'm thinking about that I've been doing. You know, I've been to speak at interesting employee engagement conferences, but you know, I will, I will talk about that in my, next, in my next blog. So that they can understand what on earth is it that she gets up to, you know, swanning around all the time. Um, and then occasionally, you know, I'll talk about personal stuff as well, because it's back to I want to be approachable, real, um, and authentic with my, with my team. And then it gets, it does get distributed as an email, so they have to click the email to get into the blog. 
But at least it's, they know it's, it's open it, click it, and, and it's, a, it's a three to four minute video um, for watching. Great question. I think the opening rate and watch is about 80% plus. The team, the team like it. It has, I'm slightly concerned because it's dropped in the last couple. So I think, you know, I've done now, I think I've done about six or seven. So I'm talking to my head of comms about, okay, how do we change it up a bit to make sure that we, you know, that we keep it fresh and we ensure that people keep, keep engaging with it. Well, I think personally role modeling it yeah. is really important. So I personally role model it with them all the time. The other thing is storytelling. And I always tell this, I always tell this story. It still makes me chuckle. The, the general, and I think this is such a perfect example of brilliant leadership vulnerability. Uh, the general that I work with at the army. And if you're a general in the army, I don't know if any of you are ex-military, but you are pretty much close to God. So there are you know, people fawning around you all the time. You're constantly being told, you know, sir this, sir the other. Everyone, everything is done for you. Um, and, uh, and people are kind of you know, tiptoe around. And, our, and at my first, our first team meeting with, with General Paul, um, when we just started working together, everyone was very nervous of one another because we didn't know each other. Um, and he was sat at the head of the table as the general. And all his lackeys were kind of flustering around him and ushering us into our seats. Um, and we had a three-hour meeting ahead of us to look at, uh, with a, a deck that fat, to look at recruiting pipeline statistics. And, you know, and we knew there was no good news in that deck. <laughs> um, so, you know, we were all a bit... Um, and Paul sat down and went, right. When I was at Sandhurst, I was on the Stats for Twats course. So, so I am really not looking forward to this session. You're going to need to do it in words of one syllable for me. And obviously, we all just fell about laughing. Fell about laughing, ice instantly broken, everyone relaxed, really good session. And it was just that one small thing, but for him as the general in front of all his you know, majors, captains, sergeants, to say that you know, was a really powerful example of just, you know, I'm, I'm completely comfortable with the fact that I'm not good at this stuff. So I think role modeling is really important. Um, and I think, yeah, storytelling about people who do it well will be my two top tips. You just need a couple of senior leaders who are able to show that vulnerability. Yeah. Completely. And I mean, I've also got a, a great coach working with all of my leaders now as well. With, and specifically, some of those, that's some of the goals that I've set her with them, is to help them get comfortable doing that. And it also, I think from my experience, and I'm trying to do it with businesses, it also enables the skill set of level of humanity mm. as well. Completely. When we've all been going through so much change as well, nobody is resistant to change. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, Um, so well, the first thing, when I arrived at Amazon, the f literally the first thing I said to my leadership team was, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I said literally the first message I want to give you is, I, you've got me for at least the next three years. I am committed to this role. I have no interest in doing anything else. 
you know, I want to give you stability and bring you through um, as a team this way you need to get to. So that's the first thing was kind of addressing it head on and just saying, look. And, and they kind of went, hmm. And, <laughs> and now, they, now I think they believe me, you know. <laughs> After a few months, they're going, okay, no, she isn't going anywhere, it's okay. Um, so I think addressing it head on. And then with the army situation, um, what, we, what we did with that was there'd been a kind of perpetual chasing of the next shiny ball, next shiny object. You know, there were all sorts of people who thought they had the silver bullet to fix army recruiting. Uh, politicians, you know, chief execs of capita, generals, who would you know, well-meaningly throw in an idea, the latest shiny idea. And the team would literally be kind of chasing. It was like a five-year-old football team. They'd be chasing this ball around you know, and not actually achieving anything. So one of the things we did was go, right, stop. We're putting our foot on the, on the ball. Um, what we will do, all of you external stakeholders who are very interested in what we're doing, is we will give you some agreed metrics that will show you that we are turning this around. But it's not going to be about you know, starts into training immediately because not, that's not going to happen immediately. You need to stop expecting we can fix this overnight. It's an oil tanker. But we will show you that our applications are on track because that's the first part of the process. And then we'll show you that the next stage of the process is on track. So we agreed some really clear parameters and metrics with our lords and masters that in return that they would get off, but in return you've got to get off our back, you know, and leave us alone to just stabilise the team, invest in the team in order to deliver that, that change. And we were very clear in telling the team that we were doing that as well. As well. Sure. Uh, what kind of what we have to do? Yes. Do you think that should also be captured in the media? Do you think we need to capture it down in the editing process and say, how do we measure it? Well, yes, I do. Um, but back to my point is, if it's a really important message, I, I try and have other means of making sure that the message gets, gets out. Um, and the, our best measure, we have a really good tool in Amazon called Connections, which is every day when you log on, you get asked one or two questions. Um, and it's, it's effectively an annual employee engagement survey that happens every single day. Um, and we get given the results of those uh, all the time. So you can literally see at any given time exactly what your team are thinking, saying about a whole host of topics around communication engagement. So uh, that's, that's the best way, measure I have of whether it's working or not. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.